Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening. Welcome to this week's Man in the Post Extra Time. Uh, my name is Chris. With me as ever, I have got Mark. Hello. And no one again this week. So we have got Joe. Hello. How are you, Joe? I've been on for a few weeks. You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you very much. Yourself? Yes, great. Thank you very much. Um, we should be talking about some Premier League football we happened earlier on this week and Champions League, some other bits and bobs of news, some playoffs, some gossip, and this week's Premier League predictions. Um, First of all, I promised I'd do this on our last podcast, and I forgot to, uh, and then we didn't do one last week. Um, and do listener shout out at Philby1976. Um, she, I think, is part of the French Football Weekly podcast, and uh, she's promised to bookmark us and give us a listen. So, hello, Philippa, if you're uh, listening. Um, going back to the start of the week, then we've got Arsenal nil, Swansea one. Swansea done the double over. Um, uh, over Arsenal, uh, Batifi Gomez scoring his ninth goal of the season with a bit of goal line technology. That's always good to see, isn't it? Um, Gary Monk is uh, a bit of sour grapes from Wenger. He said that um, Swansea refused to play and that uh, they had a six-man midfield and came with just a particular game plan, which I'm not quite sure what he expects teams to do. Sort of part like the Red Sea and bow down as his players take a tack of their way to goal. Did anybody see this one? Um, no, I never I, saw it, but no, uh, I, I've seen seen Wenger's comments afterwards, which is you know typical Arsene Wenger. Really, he's the he's the king of whinging when his when his side haven't got the uh, the nouns to break down a team that just come to defend. As he say, what what what's anybody expect them to do? Just you know clap them on their way through as they play one twos all over the field and pretty patterns, and then stick four past them. I remember Robin van Persie saying the same thing when it was Everton that got a one-all draw at, um, at the Emirates. And he said, it's not fair, people come here to be entertained and uh, you toffees spoilt it. <laughs> yeah, it, it is pathetic. You know, it's, we don't live in a, in a world of, um, you know, idealistic amateurism. They, you know, they come to do a job and they've, they did it perfectly well. So stop, stop whining. You should be better than that. Yeah. I mean, if, if you strip football down to the basics, it's about outplaying your team and you do that any, the other team and you do that any any way that you can. And if Swansea have come up with a way to do that, then then it's up to Arsene Wenger and Arsenal to counter that and, mm-hmm. and get through it. And if they're not good enough to do that, then well done, Swansea. It could have been a What I find with teams, sorry, what what I find with teams like Arsenal is when they come up against, and and I don't know if anybody saw, well, I certainly did the Everton Sunderland game. Um, when you have team a team that does defend so deep and just put ten men across the edge of the box, pretty much, you know the opposite. The opposition team has enough of the ball to even just take long range pot shots. You know you've got to take, you've got to take your chances. But a lot of teams and Arsenal are the absolute epitome of this. They're the, they're the, they're the biggest um, offenders is overplaying and trying to score the perfect goal. 
You know, sometimes you have to just smash it and take a few deflections, again, going back to the Everton Sunderland game, and get a bit lucky or somehow try and try and draw the other team out by constantly having shots at goal. Don't try and score 33-man moves where the ball ends up on the edge of six-yard box for a tap into an empty goal because you only score those goals two or three times a season, not every game. And Arsenal are determined to overplay and constantly try and score goals like that. And Swansea know that. Every team knows that. It couldn't have come as a massive surprise to Wenger that that's how Swansea were going to play. He probably expected them, because they're mid-table, to come out and enjoy themselves and nothing to play for and, and that, that whole thing. What we're seeing this season, potentially more than most seasons, is a lot of these mid-table sides or sides that have supposedly got nothing to play for are actually... Um, that goal on technology as well, isn't it? In, uh, in its uh, in its flow, it's the fact that um, Espino was, um, I think it was Kevin Friend that was the referee. He was a bit incandescent and uh, with rage that the goal was given, and he sort of pointed to his watch or his little doobry on his wrist and shrugged his shoulders, saying, "What can I do?" Well, I mean, if he's done that, then that just makes him look like an idiot, really. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's like arguing that the train isn't in the station when it's stood at the platform. Yeah, it was pretty comprehensive as well that the ball hadn't crossed the line. I mean, you could kind of see from the, um, you could see from the footage fairly much straight away. Uh, Tuesday, we saw Bayern and Barca take each other on. Bayern when you won three two on the night. Barca won though three five in aggregate. Um, Benati, Lewandowski, and Muller uh, scored for Bayern Munich and two for Neymar. Neymar's second goal was great, wasn't it? The uh, well, the, both of the goals are pretty good, weren't they? They came from sort of open counter attack and pass and cross and tap in the back of the net. They were good, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, thought, I think it were it were a real um, a real blow to Pep Guardiola to to go back and be outdone like that. But I think it just highlights once more every every time over the last over the last. I don't know, a decade, maybe a little bit less. Every time we think Barcelona are struggling or they've had an off year, they come back and 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 rise to the top again. I think it really is testament to to the core of the squad that they they keep coming back again. Bayern did this last year, didn't they? They won the Bundesliga uh, with a few games to go, and then that sort of intensity dropped off a bit, didn't it? And um, they ended up going at the semi-finals last year, didn't they? And they've done the same thing here. Are they victims of their own success in some way? Well, I think I think that's the mark of a of a world class team and a team who have a good season here and there. I think there's no doubt that Bayern Bayern are a really really strong side in Europe, but you've got to do it. It's same Manchester City in the in the Premier League. You've got to do it season after season after season after season, like Manchester United did for so many years, like Chelsea have sort of did in Mourinho's first role and look like they're probably going to do again. You've got to be able to come back and, and prove to be as hungry again after winning it as what you were before you'd won it. And and, and Barcelona are kind of coming back round to that now. I would say that um, Bayern have, were undone a bit a bit like last year. Um, is Guardiola's played similar tactics to what he did at Barcelona and he's got played a very high defensive line and he's played it against teams who are exemplary on the counter-attack. You know, Real Madrid last year, Barcelona this year. Um, and just simple rank bad defending, you know, you can you can play any tactics you like, but if you just simply don't play well, then you're not going to succeed. Um, and and I mean, I've never personally rated Botang that highly. Um, I think they need to address 
their defence um, in the summer. Uh, and I think you've got to remember as well that they were missing their two best players, on paper at least, in Robert and Ribery, um, over the two legs, who could have potentially made a massive difference. In that second half, Barcelona completely switched off. And that's why you saw Bayern come back into the game. Maybe it would have made a difference if that had happened, or it wouldn't. Maybe it wouldn't happen in the first place if they had Robin and Ribery um, playing, because Barcelona, Bayern wouldn't have played. Sorry, Barcelona probably would have played a different tactic altogether. You know, so um, I think Guardiola needs to adapt a little bit because maybe he's playing the Barcelona way with Bayern against Barcelona, so maybe slightly easier to play against. I personally thought they were quite wasteful in the second half, particularly. Uh, Bayern Munich. They had 19 shots mm. in total. They were. Um, and if you watch them any other game, they're probably quite wasteful. But they've given themselves so much of a mountain to climb that if they'd gone in at um, 1-0 at half-time or 1-1, then you know they, they stood themselves a good chance. But they were just so poor in the first half, especially after they'd gone and got that first goal. You know They, they were possibly a bit um, a bit guilty of not being patient enough yeah, trying to chase the game, you know. Yeah, that's 114 goals this season between Messi, Suarez, and Neymar. It's not bad, is it? Oh, you pay you pay your money, and that's what you get. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, Guardiola quite uh, magnanimous in defeat. I hope Barca win their fifth Champions League final. Um, and Barca is still on for the treble, of course. They've got the Copa del Rey final versus Bilbao, and they need one more win um, in the now unsuspended La Liga to confirm their. Umpteenth title there. Uh, Wednesday night, Real Madrid won, Juventus won. Um, Ronaldo scored a uh, penalty after Kalini gave away a foul um, on James Rodriguez. And Morata scored again. Uh, and still no celebration against his old club. He said it was bittersweet and a strange sensation for me. I wish I'd scored against another team. Not, not celebrating in the semi-final of the Champions League. It's, it's either sort of Herculean restraint or a bit... A bit odd. I've, I find I always take these cases of not celebrating. Um, I always take them sort of uh, in individual circumstances, depending on how long a player were at a club or what they achieved at that club and things like that. Mm. Um, and I just kind of I find it I find it it leaves a bit of taste when players such as Morata, who essentially were a young player and, and Real Madrid decided he, he he wasn't good enough for their team or they didn't want him at that time. It's not as if he were. He'd, he'd played with him for 20 years and won 13 trophies and, and all that sort of stuff. He, they basically got rid of him. And and I thought, if anything, I'd, I'd, I would have thought he would have celebrated more because he's proving a point against them. Um, but That's what I thought as well. And they also, they also got rid of him to bring in a player who couldn't get a first-team game at Manchester United and brought him in on loan as a replacement for him. I mean, that's a big kick in the teeth for a young lad. He could have stepped into that breach as equally as well as Javier Hernandez would have. Is there a sliding scale on this? So we've got Frank Lampard scoring for City against Chelsea at one end and then Sean Wright-Phillips scoring against Chelsea, not celebrating, having only been there sort of a few years the next. Is there a, sort of a, a sliding scale of acceptability? Well, I think, like I said, I think every case is, is, is individual. I can understand if a player who's who's captain the team for ten years and won and won so many trophies with them feels uh, doesn't at that moment in time feel like he wants to run off with his shirt over his head, I can I can I can understand that in that moment. But 
I think too. I think I think it's gone too far now. When there were one or two players doing it, and it were almost it were like a sign of respect, and it were all right. But now every player, whether he's been on loan at a club for for three months, he doesn't celebrate against them when he scores against them five years later, and that 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 um that's taken to, that's taken it too far, and it's diluting the actual original point of doing it. It's gonna get it's gonna get eventually with the amount of transfers that there is nowadays. It's gonna get where no one celebrates against anyone. Yeah, so when it comes to the Champions League semi-final and you score against Rotherham, you'd, you'd celebrate. <laughs> yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd, <laughs> yeah, I'd celebrate on FIFA. <laughs> uh, Juventus is first final since 2003. Are we all happy that Juventus have got there or do we want to see a Classico final? I'm absolutely delighted it's not a Classico final. I thought you might say that. Yeah, yeah well, I am as well. You know my opinion about when those, when those big Spanish teams meet, how, um, how much... Theatrics and histrionics goes on, and cheating and diving, and you know Sergio Ramos. Can you can you honestly say that there's a the the prospect of Messi and Ronaldo being marked out of the game is any more appealing than watching Sergio Ramos and Busquets um, falling over every blade of glass, grass and then pushing each other around and and diving and and all the re- and surrounding the referee. Personally, I am over the moon that those two aren't going to meet in the final to ruin the game. I think Juventus will actually make it a very good final. Of course, so what, you, what you do get instead, you, you miss out on the circus of the El Clasico, um, which, as you said, is a, is a good thing. Uh, but what you do get is the the um, the rematch of Chiellini and Suarez, and I'm sure that'll create its own mm. circus and instead. And, Ev- and Evra. Yeah, and Evra. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be uh, plenty of build-up to that, and that'll be focused on just as much as what what the points that you made would be. Well, it will. I think it'll be. I think it'll be like the Real Juve game, which I think was a great European game. Actually, uh, the t- sort of a typical um, cat and mouse game. One team attacking, one team counter attacking. Thought it was a very good technical game. I think you'll get a similar thing in the final. I think it'd be more of your your sort of classic European final rather than you know um, the the Barcelona L. Barcelona Real Madrid thing where you're expecting Messi and Ronaldo to, you know, you're only focusing on them two and then you're waiting for for uh, handbags to break out at, at the 60 minute mark when they all start falling over. Whereas, you know, if Barcelona, uh, sorry, if Juventus can stay in it till half time, mm-hmm. you know, that's that could set off a really good second half and exactly as it was yesterday, which, which I thought was a great game. Who wouldn't want to see Buffon, Chiellini, Pirlo, all with Champions League medals? Mm. I think yeah, I, I think it's I think it's possible. Mm. I do as well. I mean, I th- uh, for what I was saying of, of Barcelona coming back, I do think on paper they're definitely the strongest team and they'll go into it as favourites. But I think if there's anyone to to battle that favourite tag and uh, and sort of and sort of beat it, I think Juventus have the best chance. I think it's the is it the fifth Champions League final for Patrice Evra? Yeah, is third different club. Yeah, yeah. He had one with Monaco, which they lost. Three with United, which they lost two. Right. Uh, both to Barcelona, incidentally, uh, and this one coming up. That's right. Um, a bit of vindication for Allegri because it wasn't the most popular choice, was he, to replace Conte? No, he wasn't because his his record at Milan towards the end was uh, quite ropey. And of course, what have Milan done since? They, you know, they've gone through Seydorf mm. and they're about to go through. Um, Inzaghi as well. Yeah, there's a lot more problems than that at AC Milan. Mm. 
Gareth Bale hissed at by the crowd. His agent said earlier on this week that um, the other players at Madrid don't pass him enough, uh, which Ancelotti gave short shrift to. But yeah, he missed those two chances in extra time and they didn't sort of boom, they just hissed at him. Yeah, mm, Bale, Bale it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? I mean, I don't know if I've seen a player go from go from one of the most exciting attacking players in the world to uh, one of the... He to so downtrodden in such a short space of time. I mean, I've watched him more probably in the last week or two than what I have done in the in the six months before that. Um, and he just he just looks half the player that he he, he was a year ago. Mm. I think there's a lot of politics and cliques and so on, uh, and very big personalities in that Real Madrid dressing room. And if you ain't part of that then I think you will suffer. And I think maybe that's got something to do with it. Um, but, you know, big price tag, big expectation every week on him there. He isn't the star attraction like he was at Spurs. And, yeah, he had a decent first season there. Um, so it'll be interesting. Actually, it'll be interesting to see if he stays there. In the summer, there's obviously been a lot of speculation about him coming back to England. Man United have been mentioned quite a few times. But I'd like to see him stay there. I think I think more of it's down to his headband. I think <laughs> since he started wearing that headband, it's all gone downhill. It doesn't do anybody good any good, that, does it? It doesn't. Every player that I can think of that started wearing a headband has, uh, has slowly, gradually declined, and that's what's happening with Gareth Bale. If he cut his hair, he'd, uh, I'm sure he'd have a uplifting form. It's since he oh. has his ears pinned back. That's what it is. <laughs> Did um, Crespo ever wear a headband? Yes. I think he was probably born with a headband. Batty didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Batty Stuter wore one, didn't he? Uh, y- yes. So there's two, there's two to counteract him. <laughs> but, but so does Adi Nui for Sheffield Wednesday. He started wearing one in the second half of the season and it's gone downhill from there. Oh, no, it's like yin and yang, isn't it? <laughs> um, uh, Who do they play for? <laughs> um... Ancelotti's unsure on his future, isn't he? Yeah, there's there was a stat on the there was a stat on the TV, I think, that was saying the last sort of six or seven seasons where Real Madrid haven't won a trophy at the end of it, they've the managers have either been sacked or left. So that really tells its own story. Well, look, if we don't get Klopp, I'd happily have him at Liverpool. You think you'd have Klopp over Rodgers? Yeah. 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 I think I'd have you over Rogers at the minute. <laughs> oh, that that's that's bad news. That's that's fickle <laughs> fickleness at his height. Good. <laughs> Good respect. He had a whole yeah, he had a whole lot of money to do something <laughs> with, and what's he done with it? If uh, I don't, go oh, sorry, Mark. If um if Pellegrini gets the push at Manchester City and they can't get Guardiola to come over, could Ancelotti go there? I think he's more of a fit um, than Guardiola is at Manchester City. Well, apparently Guardiola's given his word that it'll be next year, isn't it? So the, the thinking is maybe someone like Patrick Vieira for a year or keep Pellegrini mm. on for another year. Or we, we said Sabella did, didn't we, didn't we? Well, you did. I, I, I didn't, really, didn't really expect that to come off because has he got any kind of record in Europe as a manager? I don't think he has. I heard that on the... That, that actually came from Phil Vickery on the World Football phone That's the Bella thing. Mm. Um, yeah, I kind of think that there'll be a stopgap till next year. 
Um, but there wouldn't be many places where Ancelotti wouldn't be welcome, there would there? No, and I think, and you mentioned Liverpool, and not to denigrate Liverpool in any way here, but I think his profile is above that of Liverpool because Liverpool aren't in that group of top five or six teams. But there aren't many of those top five or six clubs in Europe that Ancelotti hasn't really been at so far. He's been at Juve, he's been at AC Milan, he's been at Real, he's been at Chelsea, he's been at PSG, and now where else is there left for him to go in that bracket? Nowhere really, except maybe Bayern. But I can't really see him dropping, say, to that next level of clubs like Arsenal or Liverpool because his stock is too high still. Back to Milan or back to PSG? Potentially, yeah. Mm. Um, Some bits and bobs of news going around. Uh, A Belgian player by the name of Tim Nico has become the second um, Belgian player to die of a cardiac arrest in recent weeks. Uh, The 23-year-old left-back played uh, in the fourth tier and was playing in a tournament when he collapsed on Friday. He was placed in an induced coma, and the club confirmed his death on Monday. Um, this comes just after locker and defender Gregory Mertens, uh, who was only 24, died after collapsing during a game as well. And you both mentioned the Argentinian player as well, didn't you? Yeah, from from what I understand, he was pushed by uh, an opposition player and then went headfirst into a perimeter wall or fencing and sustained sufficient head injuries to... Uh, to make him pass away. Mm. Uh, Schalke has suspended Kevin Prince Boating and Sydney Sam uh, for poor performances against Cologne last week. They lost 2 0. Um, Sam's only played 11 times due to injury, so some consider him to be a little unlucky. Uh, Boating was pictured smoking and drinking after the match, but before going and doing his doping procedure. So a bit of less sympathy for him. Um, Stephen Gerrard has got his last game coming up this week we'll talk about that in a little bit he's done an interview this week in which he regrets not winning the league um, Rubinho has left Milan and joined Santos his uh, contract came to an end he's only 31 it seems like he's been around forever isn't it? is that 31 though or is that like like uh, like them uh, Nigerian players who are sort of like haven't, haven't got a belly birth certificate and they come in as 23 and then they Mm. Actually, one or whatever. You think it's the same way as Diego Costa's only twenty six? <laughs> yeah, even though he's got the face of a sixty five year old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of older retired players, you were mentioned this earlier on, weren't you, Joe? Brad Friedel has retired, or will be retiring at the end of the season. He's forty three. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, a long and distinguished career, isn't it? Definitely, and and to to hold on at the top flight, although he's been second choice since he went to Spurs and. For a little bit before that as well, he, uh, I, I think hats off to him. If he plays in the either of Spurs' last two games, he'll become the oldest ever player in the Premier League, and I think it's I think it's deserved. I think he's uh, I think he's a, a model professional. Um, I think he speaks really well. He seems to know what he's talking about, and and he's obviously looked after himself, and uh, it still seems in really good condition. And and I'd still fancy him in, in a Championship team. To tell you the truth, I think he's he's still a a, a, a sure goalkeeper and a sure pair of hands, um, but I think if there is any any young young players or young goalkeepers out there to look at someone like Brad Friedel is you could you could do a lot worse. No, I remember he came to Liverpool and I remember thinking he was a little bit iffy, but he's what he achieved at Villa, Blackburn, and Spurs was some of the saves he made were absolutely phenomenal, weren't they? And he went 310 consecutive matches between. August 2004 and November 2012, um, 
without being dropped. I did a little thing that November when he was dropped of things that had or hadn't happened by the time the last time um, he'd been dropped, and it was things like Jack Wilshere was only twelve and things like that. <laughs> yeah, that just that just highlights highlights the point, doesn't it? I mean, it, it, it's a great career spent at the top flight for a long time. It was an international for a long time uh, for the USA, and and I just uh, I think his career in football, if he wants to, could go a lot a lot further. United States have done a good line in goalkeepers, haven't they? Going back from Tony Miola all the way up through Friedel and um, Casey Keller and uh, Brad Guzan. Tim Howard. Tim Howard, yes, that's probably the one I was thinking of. And um, Brad Friedel, one of only five keepers to score a Premier League goal. Anyone name the other four? Kevin Pressman. Howard. No. No. Yeah. Howard, Begovic. Yep, yep. Paul Robinson. Yep, who's your last one? Um, Schmeichel. I'll give you a clue. Oh, I was going to say it was He's, against you. It, yeah, it wasn't a goal kick. The, I think all the others were goal kicks. He he came up for a corner in the last minute and scored. In a well, game where was, I think we, was, I think we won 4-2. That's right. He, he sort of volleyed it in. He sort of slashed it in, didn't he? That's right. Same as for Friedel's. Well, Friedel came up and scored an equaliser, didn't he, in the 90th minute against Charlton. And then Charlton went down the other end and scored. <laughs> It was all in vain. Paul Robinson was that free kick when he sort of lobbed it over the top of yeah. um, Ben Foster in goal. Do you remember that? Yeah. Um, also mentioning goalkeepers, well, your your friend Stuart Taylor has just been released from wherever he's just been playing. Leeds, wasn't it? Leeds, yeah. yeah he's got. He's what was he? He's done eight fifty-eight appearances or something like that in seventeen years. <laughs> yeah, he's probably multi-millionaire as well. Good work if you can get it. I'm sure he's been on uh, MTV's Cribs. No. I'm sure he has at some point. I'm 99% sure of this, that, that, that Cribs went round Stuart Taylor's house. They're getting desperate, aren't they? I'm sure, I, I think it was quite old. I think it's a, I think it's a retro edition. Um, I'm, I'm 99% sure this is the case. When was he ever popular enough in the same way as, um, you know, Lil Bow Wow or <laughs> LL Cool J? <laughs> Or any of these um, rap it, types it were that Cribs were made Taylor for. Or Ian Walker, one of the two. They, oh, they are, do look similar, don't they? Mm. And now, now I'm questioning myself, uh, which is never good. But um, um, it were one or the other. I saw Steve Claridge on a Cribs programme. It was MC Harvey went round his house. <laughs> I can imagine his house is uh, very beige and magnolia. It was. It was very basic, and he lived next door to his mum and dad. Um, his mum and dad lived on some kind of farm in Hampshire, and he built this house, this modern brick house next door, and he lived by himself in it, and he's still got a teddy bear in his bedroom. You two have done some crazy drugs by the sound of it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm I remember he went, around Matt, he went around Matt Letizia's house, and the funniest thing about that was that his fridge was empty. <laughs> um. Right, a couple of questions for you both. Uh, Colin Renders tweeted us a couple of questions. I'm not entirely sure on this first one. Can Bradley Johnson's two goals and own goal from the other week be classed as a hat-trick? And does he get to keep the match ball? Well, I don't I, I don't know. Did, he, did one of his goals get deflected in, or what's the story with it? I'm presuming he scored two goals, and then he also scored an own goal down the wrong end. So does that count as a hat-trick? Do you know what? I'd have to see the goals to tell you, but if it was a go- if it was a shot and it's deflected off somebody and and sort of squirted no, no, no. in or something, there's no deflection. He scores two proper goals, yeah. to him, 
and then he scores an own goal. He scores an own goal. Yeah. Oh well, no. In that case, it's two minus one, so he only got one. So it's yeah, not exactly. That's that was my reasoning as well. That just counts as one, does it? Um, and the other one, any hitchhikers going to the Galaxy fans? Yeah. No. Uh, no. Just say. Joe. You what? Sorry. Are you a fan? Uh, no, not particular. No. Okay. Uh, well, what is the answer to life, the universe, and everything? It's forty-two. Forty-two. Yeah. There you go, Jack. The <laughs> <laughs> well, the computer they asked it to said, well, maybe you've asked the wrong question, didn't you? I can't remember. You know, I've read the book and seen the original TV series, but not for ages. I found it on DVD for a pound in a shop in my local town. The series or the, or the film? Yeah. No, the original series. Yeah, do you know what? I think I actually saw the film, accident, the more recent film, accidentally on telly and i watched it but never really paid much attention because i just thought this isn't going to be the original you know no it was. i've got I mean, no idea whether it's any good or not uh, the film was okay i think it had martin freeman in and anna chancellor and moz def speaking of cribs moz def what's that yeah that's a person is it now <laughs> Grand- granddad <laughs> <laughs> is there anything like that pat boone He's um, not far. Yeah, he's a bit like Curiosity Killed the Cat. Ah, uh, now that, now there's a modern beat combo that everybody can enjoy. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, bit of gossip for you guys. A bit of a yay or nay on these ones. Uh, Pellegrini State City next season. We've kind of done that one a little bit, haven't we? Mm, I think if they've got no other alternative, but I'd still be surprised if they did keep him. I, I think yeah, I think they'll keep, they'll keep him, and it'll be massively unpopular, and there'll be a, a clamour to get him out as early as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do uh, you think they might do it to try and get keep him to get Guardiola next season? I don't know if that'll be the, the the mindset, but I think I think maybe through lack of other options, like Mark said, they'll they'll end up keeping him, and and the fans won't be happy, and there'll be a there'll be a clamour for his head, and they will have failed before he's even started. Mm. Um, Andre Ayew to somewhere in the Premier League as Marseille can't match his wages, but I did also see Andre Ayew to Roma. Um, uh, yeah, so there's quite a few clubs linked with him. Uh, all the clubs like your Everton's, your Aston Villas, Newcastle's. Um, Were West Ham? Were West Ham at some point linked to him? Probably, yeah. Oh, that, it's that group of teams, isn't it, who seem to be sniffing around him? I thought it'd be more a Spursy, Liverpooly kind of, a bit further up than that. Well, still, it's a group of the also rans. That's yeah, that's where he belongs, I think. <laughs> oh, <rough. laughs> uh, Asmin Begovic to Manchester United as a De Gea replacement or Hugo Lloris I could I could see Lloris more than Begovic I think I don't know what you guys think but I think Begovic is slightly overrated um, I think he's a good goalie I wouldn't say he's an out he's not as good as De Gea or Lloris again I would put him in that bracket just below that yeah uh, there was talk of Begovic going there a couple of years ago when De Gea was first went there and he was really iffy remember when he didn't start so well and they were looking at Be- Ferguson I think was still there at the time and they were looking at Begovic um, but yeah I don't I don't see him as a Manchester United player but you could see him perhaps if Man United if Lloris does leave which I think could be a, a goer, whether it's to United or anywhere else, then you could see Begovic perhaps going to somewhere like Spurs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Peter Cech to Arsenal. 
I heard he were going to Turkey this week, I think. I read somewhere. Yeah, I That would be a waste, wouldn't it? Apparently they're commending mm. £10 million for him as well in last year's contract, which sounds like decent business from Chelsea's point of view to me. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it'd be a shame for the Premier League to lose him because he could, he could still easily walk into... You look at like Arsenal's goalkeeper, you look at Liverpool's possibly in, over the whole season, and you think that he could... He could Walk into them teams. Well, I mean, well, he, quite, he's he's only been ousted from the Chelsea team because Chelsea were under pressure not to have to let Courtois go. Not that Courtois is not a good goalkeeper because he is, but you know they were under big pressure to take him back from Atletico Madrid eventually because otherwise they were going to lose him. They don't want to lose one of the best goal, young goalkeepers in particular for the sake of you know a, goal, a keeper who okay maybe his best days are behind him. Um, and they were put, they were kind of almost put themselves in a bad position that Courtois was so good that they had to guarantee him first team football. So he didn't decide he wanted to to leave. So I think it's unfortunate for Chelsea, but um, you know, but for Courtois, Czech would still be Chelsea's uh, number one. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, I, think, I think been quite I think, hot. Sorry, I think it was a, I think it was the right thing to do though. I think I think Courtois yeah. in the future could be. Uh, and and will be just as successful as Petr Cech, exactly. um, and yeah. I think I think it was the right time right time to do it as well. I think Courtois is a fantastic goalkeeper, and I think next season in particular, I think we'll really see that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, it is a shame if he leaves if he leaves the Premier League because the, there's goalkeepers who are who are a lot worse than him playing for good teams. Mm. Yep. They've been quite big, haven't they, Chelsea, with um, financial fair play. They've made a profit on a lot of players. So that particular 10 million might not be as bonkers as it sounds. Plus, there's only a 15% tax rate as well, isn't there, in um, Turkey? So that might appeal to Czech. Mm. Possibly. I think it, it'd be a massive... He's not at that stage in his career yet, not to put the Turkish league down at all. And I think Besiktas a top. But he should be playing in one of Europe's top two or three leagues, not playing for one of uh, the Turkish league, you know. Yeah, I think I think as well if he if he spoke to uh to his teammate Drogba about that, I think uh he might he might possibly advise him that's not the best thing to do, uh, especially when you're feeling yourself that you've still got a few years ahead of you. Um I think I th- I, I think he'll I, I don't think he'll end up in Turkey. No. Okay. Um Nanny is going to go back to Manchester United and will cost them £17 million in wages. Remember your uh, your man David Moyes, he gave him a grand a week contract two years ago uh, and it was a five-year deal. And they've been paying him his loan fees while he's been out there as well. Good old Moisey. That's, that's a way to stick two fingers up to them for, for giving him the bullet and giving him all the grief and all of the blame for what happened to them. So, his legacy lives on. Uh, yeah. Liverpool in four... Jeremy Menez of Milan, Jose Fonte of Southampton, because the last defender they bought from there worked out well. And mm. I'd be very excited by this. Uh, Miralem Pjanic, 21.8 million from Roma. I'd be over the moon if that happened. Um, Pjanic isn't a player I've seen a lot of, but he's certainly one of the, I'm not going to say hipster choices, but if, you, if you're talking in horse racing parlance, then he'd be a talking horse. You know, he's one of those things there's a lot of whispers about and, you know, always been talked of very highly. As I said, I've never seen that much of him. Um, but 
is he how good is he? You know, is he is he at Liverpool's level or is he better? Is he Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea level? I would have thought he's a little bit higher than Liverpool's level, but I've, it's not the first time I've seen him linked to this. It's for about three or four uh, different occasions the last couple of weeks and months I've seen it. I imagine a mm. midfielder, him and Chan. That's quite. That's quite. Um, I should say pamphleting. That's not quite what I meant. Meant. <laughs> um, I saw. I sort of had that feeling about um, Christian Eriksen before he came to Spurs that there was sort of a lot of hype around him um, without him really maybe doing too much for it. Um, and whether he's been justified in his move to Tottenham, I'm, I'm not. Still not 100% convinced. Um, but. But yeah, I think I think it could be another another player along those sort of lines where it might take him a, a year or two to to see the best of him in the Premier League. Mm. The problem for Liverpool, uh, whoever they get, yeah. is I mean I, they haven't got an, the seemingly endless pot of cash that Man United have had doing their best impression of um, Richard Pryor on Bruce's millions, trying to spend as much money in a short space of time as they can. But people know Liverpool are going to be desperate to replace Gerrard, to shore up the defence, to get a good striker. So Liverpool are going to be hammered on um, transfer fees this summer and probably are not going to get value for money, whoever they get. So the same as every summer then? Yeah, but I think there's some, there are particular clubs who are going to be walking round with mug written on their tat- tattooed on their forehead this summer. And I think Liverpool will be one of those who know that money needs to be spent and therefore an extra five million or more can go onto a transfer fee for absolutely no reason other than the desperation of that club to get players in. I think Liverpool fall into that bracket. Man United probably do to some extent because this year's kind of been a free pass for Van Gaal. But you won't get that free pass next year and other clubs who who are selling players are going to know that when Man United come asking about them. Hmm. Okay. Uh, right. Playoffs then. Um, we've got Swindon and Sheffield United. Uh, had a ding dong of a game the other day, didn't they? That was five all. That was um, seven six on aggregate. Swindon. They go through. Preston three. Chesterfield nil. Um, that was the other League One game. Preston go through four nil on aggregate. Uh, did anybody see Jermaine Beckford's goal from the halfway line? Yeah, it was yeah, a, it was, wasn't it? It was quality. That's pretty good. Anybody see Ian ever get punched on by the black uh, the Preston fans? Yeah, I was just I was going to raise that point. Actually, it were it were pretty messy scenes, weren't it? Yeah, did you see it? Did you? Uh, I didn't see it at the time. No, I've I've subsequently read about it and um, heard accounts of people who were, um, and it, it, it sounds it sounds pretty brutal to tell you the truth. Obviously, Ian Evan used to play for. Um, Used to play for Blackpool, who are Preston, who are That's rivals right. of Preston. Um, so there's a lot of questions around why he wasn't escorted off the pitch sooner, um, why he wasn't allowed to know when the final whistle was going to be blown so he could make it off the pitch before the fans got on. Um, but yeah, it were it were pretty grisly from what I've seen and heard. I saw bits of the game and there was a bit. I wouldn't say a running battle between him and Joe Garner. I think was involved more, but there was a lot of niggle going on. I think there was a bit of niggle after the first game, so it were, yeah, yeah. I think that might have played some part in what happened. Not that there should be any excuse for it at all, and neither should the Blackpool connection um, have any bearing on it, really. So, you know, unfortunate. Mm. 
League 2 playoffs currently it is um, Southend 1 Stevenage 1 uh, on the night that's 2-2 two, two on aggregate and Wickham 2 Plymouth 1 that means it's 5-3 on aggregate to Wickham at the moment and then we've got tomorrow night we've got uh, Middlesbrough versus Brentford for a winning 2-1 on aggregate at the moment there and Ipswich Norwich on Saturday that's one all at the moment um, anybody see anything other than a Middlesbrough Norwich final? I don't think it's as cut and dried as as that. I think uh, I think there's still life in Brentford, for sure. Um, and that was a good game the first time round. And again, Norwich Ipswich form goes out of the window and all that nonsense with the local derby. I I just I just think the the I personally would love to see Brentford win promotion purely for the fact that Mark Mark Warburton's leaving at the end of the season. Um, because I think that'd be a massive, uh, a massive thing to leave on when it, it seems that he's almost been forced out of the club by the hierarchy, um, and for the fantastic job he has done in his first job in management as well, succeeding someone who was very successful in Juve Rosler, um, I just think that he deserves more than what he has been given by that board at Brentford. And it would be two. Would it be two promotions in three years as well? Yes, it would. Yeah. Yeah, which is amazing. Country, and they, I can't imagine. Probably even they probably got an even less, uh, an even smaller budget than Bournemouth. Like, there's probably not many teams in that division with a smaller budget than Brentford. Well, well yeah, Bournemouth, of course, for for what a lot of people think, they have had some funding this year, and they have mm. they have spent three million on the likes of Callum Wilson and stuff like that. So it's not as if they've had no money. Yeah, yeah. I take I take your point. And Brentford, Brentford. Are uh, definitely in that same band and and probably below that and with the attendances and the size of of the ground at Griffin Park and stuff like that it'd be a massive achievement and I think it'd be one of them fairy tale stories that that we love as football fans of uh, of Brentford along with Bournemouth as well both being in the Premier League next season. It's one of those. Especially when you consider that penalty that um the season before they went up they had that last minute. Yeah, against against, Doncaster, uh, didn't they? Uh, yeah, where where we're against Sheffield United. Doncaster. Doncaster, that's it. Where they they missed the penalty and Doncaster went down the other end and scored, didn't they? And that's that right. sent yeah. Doncaster and, up, didn't it? Instead yeah. of Brentford. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's funny though because this this season, that all four teams that are in that Championship playoff, I would be happy happy to see any of them. I've watched a fair bit of the Championship this season. I'd be happy to see any of them in the Premier League for various reasons. Um, I think they're all good footballing teams. They're all um, likable teams to watch. Very likable managers who've done good jobs. You know, sometimes you get the odd one or two teams where you think, well, I'm not quite keen on seeing them in the Premier League. Are they, I don't think they'd bring anything to it. But I, I think McCarthy's done very well at Ipswich on next to nothing. You know, when, they, when they're when they claiming Freddie Sears as, a, <laughs> as, as an influential <laughs> point in the season signing him... To get to keep them in the playoffs, you know you've got Norwich playing good, attractive football with a, uh, an up-and-coming Scottish manager. You've got Middlesbrough and Karanka and a lot of young players, and then everything you just said there, Joe, about Brentford. You know they've all got very good credentials. About why, personally, I'd love to see any of those in the Premier League. Yeah, I mean I've watched I've watched a lot of Championship football at Rotherham this season, um, and by far the the best team in the Championship for me on what I've seen has been Bournemouth without a shadow of a doubt. 
but they were quickly, in my eyes, on the games that I've seen, were quickly followed up by Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough mm. were not far, far behind them in terms of the football that they played. The the aggressiveness of, of, of the team without the ball is something that sticks out in both Bournemouth and Middlesbrough. Mm. Um, they both are so eager to get the ball back when they haven't got it. They're not, they're not happy with just sitting back and, and allowing the other team to make the mistake, even, even though they were both away teams as well when I watched them. Um, they, they were eager to get the ball back and get things moving forward as quickly as possible. And I think that's something that, that needs applauding um, massively. And, it, and it's highlighted by where, they, where they're finishing the league. OK. Uh, right, we move on to now our Premier League predictions. This is the part of the show where we look forward to the uh, games that come in the Premier League. And we predict whether it be a win, a loss or a draw for a particular team. And the correct prediction we get, we get one point. Um, and we also have our double points game coming up as well. We have to, well, I just pick a random game I like the look of. And we have to try and predict the correct score. So, at the moment... Emma is way out in the lead with two games left on 145 points. Mark, you're on 138, and I'm way behind on 128. Uh, Emma's given me her predictions this week, so Joe, you're more than welcome to chip in and give me and Mark a bit of hand with our predictions. Um, <laughs> the bookies are the bookies already paying out on an Emma victory. I think they are. Yeah. Well, the only way they wouldn't have done is if Joe had actually helped Emma. I've been on the receiving end of Joe's <laughs> predictions before. <laughs> yeah, I thought you had been uh, you had been very kind in, in asking, well, not offering me uh, offering me to help you because uh, it, that hasn't gone down well in the past. Mm, no, and for reasons why we'll pre- I'll see you later on. <laughs> <laughs> leave you standing, leave you wondering. Uh, right, first of all, the double points match this week. It's the A League Grand Final, uh, the Australian A League Grand Final, Melbourne victory. Versus Sydney FC. Uh, this is known as the Big Blue Derby. And if you want to read a little bit more about it, I did a little blog on this a long time ago on my Emancipation of the Goalpost blog. Quick plug there. Um, this goes all the way back through to the founding of Melbourne as a city against um, against Sydney all those hundreds of years ago. Uh, Melbourne finished the season top on 53. Sydney were second on 50 points. So Emma's gone for a 2-1 Melbourne victory. What do you reckon, Mark or Joe? Well, just based on the fact that Neighbours is based in Melbourne, I'm going to go for, <laughs> I'm going to go for a Melbourne victory for a Melbourne victory. So I will say 3-1. 3-1 Melbourne. 3-1 to Erinsborough. <laughs> I, I can't remember. Does Alessandro Pierre still play for Sydney? No. Don't think so. He's gone, is he? No, I'm going to go yeah. Melbourne. I'm going to go one nil Melbourne. I couldn't figure out if he did or not. Still, yeah, I don't think so. No, the A League is fast becoming a bit like the MLS kind of is at the moment, where you sort of watch it and you think, I remember him. Some lower league, <laughs> uh, like Paul Eiffel played out in New Zealand for a little bit, and Chris Greenacre and people like that. <laughs> I watched an I watched an A League game a few weeks ago, and the standard was pretty poor. Yeah. And it was one of the top teams. I don't. It might even have been. Mel, it might have been one of the one of these two teams you mentioned. Um, I'm trying to think who the star player was. It'll come back to me. Was Tim Cale a nice player? Kid, he was in New York, wasn't he? I think. Oh, he was. in New York. He's still in New York. Uh, it was yeah, the um, New York Derby the other day, wasn't it? 
It was the New York really? Derby the other day. It was City versus Red Bulls, and um, uh, Red Bulls won two one. Bradley Wright Phillips scored both goals, and the Red Bulls fans were um, giving it to the City fans, being uh, a made up franchise team. Because apparently the oh really New York City the, yeah. the irony's not lost there then, is it? No, <laughs> the uh, New York City hierarchy decided it would be good to print out a song sheet full of their songs so fans could sing along. Where, where was Bradley was like Chelsea, yeah. banging loads of goals in a few years ago? Was it Plymouth or somewhere like that? Yeah, we were at Plymouth. They were at Charlton, weren't for a short period? Yeah, and he did really well. And he's been doing really well in New York. That kind of tells you also the standard of MLS, really. But barring, you know, the signings of Henri and Beckham, and now you've got Gerard and Lampard. But when Bradley Light Phillips is a, as a star of the MLS... That kind of really gives you an indicator of still how far that that league has got to come to get anywhere close to a a respectable European level. They got Kaka. Uh, well, Kaka's career has been finished for several years, really. It's gone Kaka, has it? It's turned that way, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, right. First game, the early kickoff is. Southampton versus Aston Villa, the Mark Draper derby. Uh, Emma has gone for Aston Villa. What are you going to go for, Mark? I can't disagree with that. I think I think Villa have got probably get to get one more winner and they to be safe. Southampton have finally, I think, been consistently sort of done for their season now. Just when I yeah, think, they won one out of six, something. Yeah, just when I think they're finished, they always seem to get a win. But at this time, I think I think perhaps genuine, genuinely they are, and I think Villa will will probably see it through. Tim Sherwood has got a fifty-five point four percent, sorry, fifty-four point five percent win rate after thirty-three games as a Premier League manager. The only English manager to do better in all the history of the Premier League was John Gregory, with sixty-three percent. Interesting that he got a percentage like that, and. Doesn't hasn't had a Premier League job, I don't think, since he left Villa. Just left Crawley, hasn't he? Yeah, well, how how his career went pretty, you know, stellar almost in the beginning, and then he he disappeared almost as quickly as he came on the scene. He did Derby for a little bit. He was at QPR for a little bit, and he's been out in Israel as well, hasn't he? Mm. It's interesting that. Hmm. Must be something uh, else same. why he's not been given more jobs. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of worse managers than him by the sounds of the statistics, who have remained in and around the Premier League longer than he did. I can imagine him being quite a difficult manager. I remember yeah. he fell out spectacularly with Stan Collymore, didn't he? Yeah, as exactly. Uh, I think he's a probably a very difficult character. Yeah, I, I remember him saying he couldn't understand why Stan Collymore was depressed on twenty grand a week. Why he was depressed on twenty grand a week? Yeah. Yeah, so it kind of shows you a little bit as the is his motivational techniques, I suppose, or man management. Huh. Uh, Saints got the second best defence in the league, and Villa got the worst away attack. So you still want to go with Aston Villa? Yeah, why not? Burnley Stoke is the next game. Burnley in nineteenth, Stoke in ninth. Um, Burnley's win versus Hull last week stopped four straight defeats. Um, Stoke have only won two out of their last six, uh, but they have got to 50 points, which is their equal best so far. Um, Mark, what do you reckon? Um, I'm going to go for Stoke. You're going to go for Stoke. Burnley have won just 18 points at home this season. Now, that's the joint worst in the league, along with Crystal Palace. They're two teams you would have thought might have done okay at home this season. Hmm. 
I thought Crystal Palace had done well at home, but there you go. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. Uh, Burnley is the only Premier League team Peter Crouch has never scored against, and he's got 46 headed goals, which is the joint top with Alan Shearer. So, this weekend could be his weekend then? This could be it. Uh, I'm going to go for Stoke as well. Just for the record. What do you reckon, Joe, for the... Um, I th- I'm going to go for Burnley. That's what uh, Emma went for. Yeah, I was at, I was at Hull Burnley last week. Um, and it was a championship game, if ever I've seen one. Um, but I think I think Burnley have been almost crying out to be not let off the leash as such, but to be able to maybe play with a little bit more freedom. Um, and I think I think I think we'll see that now. And I think uh, I think there's a feel good rep factor around Burnley, even though they've just been relegated. I think that positivity is still there um, in the dressing room, and especially with Sean Dyche. Um, so I can see, I can see Burnley Burnley doing all right till till the end of the season. Did you interview Sean Dyche afterwards? I did. How was he? Uh, really, really positive. Um, I was just saying to uh, to Mark, he's it, it, almost like a, a primary school teacher in his ways, in the way that that everything's turned into a positive. There's never that that break of face. There's never that scowl or that bite or that snipe. Everything is is positive and happy and sunshine, um, which which I commend him for in one way. Um, but yeah, very 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 positive man. Very self assured about his own future. Whether that admitted whether that's with Burnley or not, um, he 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 thinks he's, there's there's greater things waiting for him, and, and I, I probably agree with him. Were you worried before you interviewed him? No, not in the slightest. No, no, no. I, I think uh, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's in his nature to to be anything other than he is. And I think I think that rubs off on the team. And and I think it, I think in fact it's probably rubbed off on Burnley as a as a club. Um, and I think their profile has been boosted enormously by the fact that he's been their manager for the last few years. Where are you this weekend? Uh, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> oh really? Are you got a weekend off? Okay. Yeah, I've got I've got a weekend off this weekend. All right. QPR Newcastle is this perhaps the most uninspiring Premier League fixture of all time? No, I wouldn't say so. I think this is um, this could be a really intriguing game. You think? Well, listen, QPR are down. They got hammered last week. Um, you know, tales of impending financial meltdown, etc. Um, but there's going to be a lot of players at QPR who will be looking to try and impress to say, come and get me to anybody who will save them from the sinking ship. On the other hand, you've got Newcastle who probably, well, certainly one more win will save them, but are still playing like absolute dross <laughs> with a bunch of, with a bunch of fans who are almost willing them to get relegated just to spite Mike Ashley. As well as all the neutrals as well, willing them to get <laughs> <laughs> Well, John, John Carver reckons he's the best coach in the Premier League, and everybody laughed that Newcastle scored the most goals from substitutions or substitutes this season. Mm, but they've also probably conceded a shitload from the 11 players he's picked in the first place. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, I, I, I've, Newcastle are never going to get a better opportunity than they will do having to play QPR after last week and, and having relegation confirmed. But this is Newcastle. Talking about the perennial calamity club, I'm going to go for QPR, and I, I think that'll make it really interesting. 
Emma has gone for a draw. I'm going to go for a Newcastle win, I think. Uh, Sunderland versus Leicester. Now, this is a humdinger of a game, isn't it? Sunderland 16th versus Leicester in 15th. In the last six meetings, Sunderland have won four. Um, there's been two draws and Leicester, of course, have won none of them. Um, Leicester on a hell of a run at the moment. Their last seven games, only PSG, Barcelona, Real Madrid and Borussia Mönchengladbach have uh, got more points in Europe. Mm. It's amazing to think that Leicester, considering the run they've just been on, are still in with a good shout of going down. Mm. You know, they're only three points clear of Hull with a very similar goal difference. So if they don't continue that run, you know, it's all been it could all be in vain in the end. However, I know Sunderland won at Everton last week, very, very luckily, actually, um, if for anybody who saw the game. But, the, yes, they were stout in defence, playing against a very toothless Everton, but, but I thought they were very poor. I'd be shocked if they got a point out of Leicester the way Leicester are playing. So I'm going to go for Leicester. I'm going to go for Leicester win. OK. Um, Emmett has gone for Leicester win. Go on, Joe, advise me. Yeah, I would have gone for a Leicester win as well. I Very think uh, I think it's uh, personally I think it's between um Sunderland, Newcastle and Hull now. I think Leicester and Villa have done enough personally. Although not points wise, I think I think they will do enough ultimately. Okay. Um next game is Spurs versus Hull. Now conventional wisdom seems to be that Spurs are doing all they can to uh avoid the Europa League. Um, Hull have never won a Premier League match in May. Hmm. This is do or die for Hull. Tottenham, as you said, have gone through a bit of a sticky patch and are probably doing their best to try and get out of playing the Europa League next year. Um, and I, I, I think Hull might get something, but I'm not sure what. I think Hull might get a point, so I'm going to go for the draw. You're going to go for a draw, okay? Um, I've got to get something. We're talking about Christian Eriksen earlier on. Um, he scored the last-minute winner in the, the reverse fixture last uh, last year or late last year. He scored the most match-winning goals, seven this season, which is set the most in the Premier League. And interestingly, uh, they've not they've gone on a run well where he doesn't seem to have been doing much. Yeah, that's very true, and uh, this is coincided, isn't it? So you went with what? Sorry, you went with Hull. I, I'm going to go for a draw. I, I don't know if they're good enough to win, but I do think they'll get something, so I'll go for a draw. Emma's gone for Spurs. I'm going to go for Spurs as well, I think. Um, West Ham Everton. This is David Unsworth Derby. We were about him the other week, weren't we? Tony Cotty, Slavin Bilic. Yeah. Anybody else? Oh, sure, there must be. Let me have a think. David Burrows. You're scraping the barrel now. <laughs> this yeah. is the um, Halle de Canio catching the ball derby. That was Goodison, but yeah. Oh yes, this is the way around, isn't it? Well, West Ham have gone into almost almost free fall, but they started from a good position, and Everton are just such a soft touch. Back to so back losses for Everton, isn't it? Eh? Back to back losses for Everton, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, the who did we got? We got beat off Villa again. We were terrible against them, and we just didn't didn't deserve. Although some of them were lucky, didn't deserve to, to beat them. They were, we were just so toothless, you know. Um, I think it's hard to say who's been playing. The, I think West Ham have been the worst recently out of those two, so I'm going to go for Everton in a, in a terrible game. Uh, you've got Baines, Gibson, Oviedo, Pinar and Hibbert all out. Yeah. Does that make a difference? 
Um, Baines, possibly, yeah. Um, Hibbert's no loss. Oviedo's no great loss. We've missed Pina this season because he's a good little player. Um, who else is out, did you say? Hibbert? Tony Hibbert's goals are a miss always. So no, I, th- I, I, I just, I, I just, just because I think the malaise at West Ham is probably bigger than that at Everton, so I'm going to go for Everton. Okay, fair enough. Um, Joe, Everton have got ten goals from defence this season. That's the most in the league, and they've have dropped though the most points from leading positions, nineteen. So, advise me. What do you reckon? Uh, well, I, I, I'm teetering towards Everton purely because I think um, the goal for them now is to finish in the top half of the table. And mm. although it's probably similar for West Ham, I think Everton um, have probably got a slightly better chance of doing that um, just through the, the players that they've got and the whole circus at West Ham with Sam Allardyce and everything else. Okay. Um, so I'd go Everton. Emma's gone for Everton as well, but I'm going to go for a draw, I think. Uh, next is Liverpool versus Crystal Palace. Now, Liverpool are Joe's predictions for... Champions this season. How's that work out, Joe? <laughs> yeah, you wonder why I don't come on much anymore. <laughs> I wasn't ever going to forget that. <laughs> if I think they're also Collins' prediction as well for champions, so I don't think you're alone. <laughs> um, Emma's gone for a Liverpool win, but of course this is uh, this is Steven Gerrard's last match. Is any football going to be played at all, or is it just going to be one big weep fest as uh, all these fans and Gerrard cry their way through this match? Aren't they talking about a guard of honour for him from both play- sets of players? Oh, that's nice. That's just that's at least what he deserves. <laughs> uh, Stephen Gerrard has scored fifty-one. Oh, it's not scored. Stephen Gerrard's got fifty-one assists at home for Liverpool throughout his career. Only Ryan Giggs, Dennis Bergkamp, and Frank Lampard have got more. He gets oh, a so, fair Steven, bit of... so, so somebody else has done something better than Stephen Gerrard, and he isn't the Messiah. I knew you were going to come in at this point. He Honestly, gets... I, don't know, I don't know how I'm going to get through this week. The emotion of it all is, is, is choking me up already. Is there any more player that has attracted schadenfreude than Steven Gerrard in Premier League history? No, and he'll always have that. <laughs> well, that's something to cling on to. <laughs> <laughs> next, to his cha- next to his Champions League winner's medal and his FA Cup winner's medal, there'll be, <laughs> there'll be that, uh, that feeling of absolute joy in his misfortune around about this time last year. Did anybody see the laminated banter that the um, Chelsea fans did last week from? Yeah, the uh, slip hazard. Yeah. Imagine laminating your banter. <laughs> that says a lot about Chelsea fans, though. Come on. It's not as if any of their players have ever slipped over at a crucial time. No, that's true. So, do you think this is going to be... Um, they're going to do it for Stevie, do you, Mark? Do I think what? They're going to do it for Stevie. I don't know. I'm going to go just for a laugh, just for just to spoil his party one last time. I'm going to go for Crystal Palace, <laughs> <laughs> just for old times' sake. All right. Well, what part will Steven Gerrard play in the Crystal Palace winner? Um, I don't think he'll play any part really. Um, what? They're bound to get a free kick or like a dodgy free kick or a penalty. They're bound to. It's whoever the referee is. It's going to. It's, it'll probably be Mark Clattenburg. That'll be the the up and down of it. I don't know who it's going to be, but. Um, there'll be some kind of stage-managed <laughs> finale to this whole thing. You think they'll be there at about eleven o'clock at night, still trying to get him to school? <laughs> what was the? What, who did they play last week and they got beat? Oh, I don't know. Liverpool. Yeah, was it last week? 
They anyway, won, didn't they? Three one. He missed the penalty and then scored the header, didn't he? Was that? No, it was Chelsea they played last week, wasn't it? It was one one. Oh, that was the draw, wasn't it? Yeah, he got, he was so ineffective. You know, you it just and it's been it's it's not been a steady actually decline. I thought at the start of the season he was still doing quite well, but you know it seems that you know all of a sudden his performances have dropped off big time. You know, so. Uh, he certainly isn't going to play 90 minutes. They're going to take him off for rapturous applause and weeping and wailing and um, people bowing down at shrines and whatever else they do. But um, I don't know, just for a laugh, I'm going to go for Palace. You know, you've actually convinced me to go. Evan's gone for Liverpool, but I can see <laughs> Palace has scored 21 goals from set pieces in the league this season. Uh, and Liverpool's defence is flaky. Oh, well, set pieces are Liverpool's absolute um, weakness, aren't they? Yeah, it won't be 9 nil again, will it? I suspect not. No. Okay. Uh, right. The Sunday, we've got Swansea, Manchester City, the Wilfred Boney derby. Or Chris Partlow, <laughs> if you're a Wire fan. Uh, three straight wins for Swansea. That win the other day uh, against Arsenal. Um, City have got four straight wins. Aguero's got eight and five games. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go for City. The Boney transfer hasn't really worked out, and I'm not, I don't think there's any. Sh- to me, it's no shock that it hasn't worked out for them so far. I think I think it was a strange one at the time. Mm. Um, it looks even more strange now. But um, yeah, I think I think City uh, will do it. Okay. Although Swansea are very good at home. Uh, well, Emma's gone from Man City. What do you reckon, Jay? Uh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't ask you your um, Liverpool uh, thing, did I? Sorry. You didn't know. How do you reckon? I know. Uh, sorry. For, for Liverpool, I think it'll be a draw. Personally, yeah. I think, yeah, I think I think you're right in saying that Gerard will come off probably around 75 minutes and everyone will clap and wave and and they'll give his armband to someone else and it'll be the final time and and it'll lead on match of the day and then he'll be gone forever it'll be a ceremonial handing on to his successor jordan henderson um six goals this season and nine assists wow um so i'm gonna go for a draw in that game yep um, and then in the city swansea game i I'd, i'd hope swansea could win um, but I think I think City will win. Well, Gomez has got four and four. Yeah, yeah, he's actually he's actually turned out pretty good. I mean, he was another player that that I'd heard a lot about when he was abroad and things like that. Um, and, and it took him a little while to settle down, maybe because Boney was in front of him. Um, but I do think I do think City City will have just too much for them. Although yeah. I think I think it'll be a good 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 attacking game. I'm going to go for a draw. I think. Um, just going back to the the Gerard scenario, mm. how how much panning of the crowd are Sky Sports going to do? Look, picking out picking out people in tears, and how much of that is going to appear in vines and whatever you call them on Twitter? Like almost instantly, it's going to be an absolute festival. Of- there's going to be there's going to be the the clip of him slipping over, and then the clip of a fan crying, it's, put it's, together to make one vine. It's it's a it's a moment in in football. I don't know whether to to go out for the night or whether to stay in it and just lap it up. It's going to be horrific and brilliant all at once. You're a meanie. You know when Leon Osman retires, they're not going to do anything like this, don't you? Listen, when Tony Hibbert retires, they're gonna they'll, they'll bury him under the pitch. He'll still be alive, but they'll they'll you know they'll give him the send off he deserves. <laughs> <laughs> oh look, I'd personally dig Stephen Naismith's grave. Well, that's very kind of you. Yeah. Um, 
United versus Arsenal on Sundays. What? Well, there's a few of these. This is the Mikel Silvestre derby. Frank Stapleton. Frank Stapleton, yeah. Uh, there's probably been quite a few more. I think there has. Uh, George Graham. Robin Van Persen. Robin, yes, of course. Stuart Houston. Really? Yeah, he played for Man United and, of course, he was the assistant manager at Arsenal for donkey's years. George Graham started his career at United, I think, then went to Arsenal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a few from a long time ago. Uh, Viv, Viv Anderson? Yeah, that's quite a few of them. Arsenal have won their last five Premier League away games, but other than that FA Cup tie they had this year... Um, I kind of get the feeling Arsenal get stuffed a lot at United. I remember that 6-1 they had with Igor Stefanovs in defence. Mm. It was an 8-2 as well a year or two later. Yeah, that's right. Or before, I can't remember. But, it was after, wasn't it? I'm going to go yeah. to United in this one. I was going for a draw. I mean, how, how often has this game been so inconsequential to anything? As it is now, you know? It, mm. okay, the, the both teams are you know still third and fourth, but they're both in the Champions League. You know, Liverpool aren't going to catch either of them. It's maybe the battle not to be in the qualifying thing, but it, it really has got very little bearing on anything. I think I'll go for a draw. You're going for a draw, are you? I've been impressed with United over the last two or three games. and But as you say, they don't have a great record. Um, Arsenal don't have a great record at United over the last five or ten years. Mm. That's what Emma's gone for as well. Uh, West Brom, Chelsea, Monday night, Emma has gone for Chelsea. Um, West Brom are unbeaten in four. Uh, and Chelsea have got the most clean sheets. West Brom have got the second highest clean sheets after Chelsea this season. They've got 15 compared to Chelsea's 17. Um, and they're unbeaten in three home games versus Chelsea as well, West Brom. Are. Mm. Uh, you, you still think Chelsea will probably nick it 1-0? I think so. I think so. Cesc Fabregas has got 18 assists this season. That's the second highest in Premier League history. Going all the way back to Terry Henry in 2002-03. Yeah, he's, uh, he's had a, he hasn't really done... He's done a good job for Chelsea, but just because he hasn't scored as many goals as he did when he was at Arsenal, you kind of you kind of think that his ha- influence hasn't been as obvious, but it is obvious when you read out those statistics that he has. Yeah. OK, so you're going to go for... Chelsea. Chelsea. Uh, I'm going to go for Chelsea as well. That's, that concludes the end of um, this week's Premier League predictions and also the end of this week's podcasts. Has uh, anybody anything else they want to plug? Joe, your Rotherham um, review column. Do you still do that? <laughs> What's it called? Uh, I, do, I do Rotherham United podcasts. The Rotherham United podcast. We don't talk about other podcasts. We don't do a plug of the podcast, I think. <laughs> no, then. <laughs> your local newspaper you write for? Yes. Now, yes. every time I Google it, it brings up the Christmas article you wrote. The Christmas article? Yeah. I can't remember which one that is. Oh. Um, oh, about eating. Yeah, that's the one. Yes. I can't find any others you've written. In fact, if I search your name on the Rotherham web... Um, the Rotherham advertiser? Yes. If I search your name on there, it just brings that article up as well. Have you only written one for them? <laughs> All right, one a week. There's, there's, yeah. There's plenty up there. So what was your last one about? Uh, my last one was about, oh, this is very localised. Um, it's about a house in Filey that is uh, set to close down, but 
it was given to Rotherham Council years and years ago, and primary school kids go on residential trips there. So my dad went there when he was a kid, my older brother went there when he was a kid, and I went there when I was a kid for a week uh, in primary school, and now it's under threat of being closed. Um, so we set up a petition to keep it open, and it's been kept open. There you go. Have you ever, read this, you ever read this column, Mark? I haven't, but now you mentioned Filey. I went to a caravan park at Filey for a holiday when I was a kid. So Primrose Valley. Primrose Valley, I've been there. Primrose Valley, of course, yeah. Well, this house is just next to it. Fantastic. Well, I'll give it a read then. And obviously, I'm, I'm sure you've written something about Steve, uh, Steve Evans and his sombrero. Uh, I did, uh, yeah, several things over the course of a week. It, yeah, it got very exciting. Well, I'll have to give that a read then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Celebrating being the fourth worst team in the second division. <laughs> that, that's that's a lot to celebrate. Yeah. Oh, could you write about Primrose Valley? I've wrote about Habersham House, which was just next door to Primrose Valley. Yeah. So I can't I can't cover that. You can't. You, okay. You can't do something about the holiday party. I can't. I can't do two files in two weeks. That would I just would be extravagant. Will the that, people that... at Whitby be upset? <laughs> Bridlington wants some of my action as well. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's the Rotherham Advertiser, is it? It is, yes. Okay, Mark. Uh, any football pinks left, Mark? Issue eight? Uh, yeah. Anybody interested should go to the New Look website. I uh, managed to do some techie upgrading type stuff um, at, and that's um, footballpink.net if anybody's interested. It's very sexy looking, actually. Is it now? Yeah, it's good. You, you do yeah. a good website. Oh, uh, well. <laughs> As I said, it's uh, it's about time I tried to do something with it, and hopefully it looks all right. Yeah, nice, um, was... nice little interview with uh, your man, the goalkeeping coach, as well. Uh, David Coles from Bristol City. Yeah. Yeah, I just went on the site today. Excellent. Um, issue 9 of Football Pink? Uh, that will be around um, early to mid-August when the season starts again. Yeah, would you be looking for writers for that? I'm always happy to hear from anybody interested in contributing, yes. Okay. So if they want to get in touch with you, how do they follow you? Uh, on Twitter, at the Football Pink. Oh, and uh, I'll, I might even accept the odd article about Primrose Valley as well. Oh, there we go. I remember being very cold at Primrose Valley in the outdoor swimming pool. We should, they should, we should be getting some sort of free trip out of this for advertising them. We should do. A, free, keep... a, a, a man on the post... Outdoor broadcast from Primrose Valley. How's that sound? Yeah, that we sounds can, like heaven. We could do <laughs> smiley Miley's mileage game. I don't know what that is. No, neither do I. The Radio One Roadshow. Do you remember that? Um, <clears throat> I've got some memories of it, but probably things I want to suppress from back in the day. Why <laughs> <laughs> do half the people on those roadshows we're not allowed to talk about anymore? Exactly. Yeah, there's probably we need to get the lawyers on it just to be sure that we don't say anything we shouldn't. <laughs> Very enough. Uh, Joe, if they want to follow you, how do they follow you on Twitter? It's at Joseph Cawthorn. At Joseph Cawthorn, your Sunday name. That's it. My nan made my Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> there may be a podcast this weekend if uh, Ross and, and Colin are about. That's um, at manofthepost.com. Well, is the website. At manofthepost is the Twitter handle. I've got to get this seamless for next season when we do this. Um, if you like what you hear you can rate and review as any five star reviews on itunes are gratefully received uh, i think there's gonna be another man in the post show next thursday and then the following sunday 24th of may uh the last day of the premier league season will be our last man in the post of the season where we do some kind of uh crossover with the guys from the sunday show and um, so make sure you stay tuned for that 
Uh, thank you ever so much for listening. And all that remains to be said is always remember to keep your man on the post.